Want to help your teachers save over 10 hours per week? Introduce them to School AI. It's not just a tool, it's a partner in the classroom. With School AI, teachers can plan courses in minutes, get real-time learning data, and provide one-on-one -on -one tutoring. Plus, it's free for teachers. Visit schoolai.com today. School AI, the classroom operating system of the future. That's schoolai.com. Focal Point K-12 is an innovative tool that helps teachers and students manage student portfolios. It provides a digital portfolio for students to store their work, set and track their own learning goals, and earn credentials and industry certifications. The platform also uses blockchain technology to ensure the security and safety of student data. Teachers can use Focal Point K-12's real-time dashboards to track student progress and save time with AI-assisted scoring. To learn more, visit focalpoint.education. Principles. Research shouldn't be a maze for students. Scribble offers a unified platform streaming the research and writing process. It integrates with major educational tools, ensures authentic student work, and provides educators with real-time insights. Elevate your school's academic rigor. Learn more at scribble.com. That's S-C-R-I-B-L-E.com. Welcome to Transformative Principle, where I help you stop putting out fires and start leading. I'm your host, Jethro Jones. You can follow me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. Welcome to Transformative Principle. I am excited for this episode today. This is part of the Summer of AI series presented by AIleader.info. AIleader.info makes the abstract actionable in the world of AI by helping you stay on the cutting edge with three-minute masterclasses that teach you what you need to know about AI in just three minutes or less. Go to AIleader.info to join. I'd like to welcome our guest today, Dr. Scott Neal, who's a recognized expert in the area of school turnaround with a focus on data-driven instruction and instructional leadership. He has been doing this for a long time, and he's founded Lead 180 in 2014 to help provide support to schools across the country in the area of instructional planning and the alignment to Cognitive River of the College and Career Readiness Standards. He brings a unique combination of deep experience as both a pr practitioner and researcher in the field of school leadership within high poverty school settings. Scott, welcome to Transformative Principle. Grateful to have you here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so we're going to talk all about AI during this episode. And one of the things that's on my mind is when it comes to rigor and instruction, some of these things we already know the answer to. And seems like AI is like the perfect answer to some things, not everything, but some things. Where in the education system do you see AI as the perfect answer? The place that we really focus in on right now currently is teacher planning. And really teacher planning is that really at the root of instruction, right? Like, so if, if you really want to get a breadcrumb trail back to like what's really happening in the classroom, it should go back to what teachers plans. 
And if a teacher is struggling and they don't have plans that, and I've been there before and had that conversation, and I'm sure you probably have as well as a former principal, yeah, um, yeah. if you don't have a plan, right, it's a plan to fail. That's what they all say. But yeah, it really does go back to like, it's the DNA of a lesson. What is happening? What are the instructional moves? And is it connected to the standards and to the full intent of the standard? Yeah. And so does AI help in that planning process or does it hinder or is it not good enough? What do you think? There are people that are probably, the skeptics would say like, well, I'm just going to go to ChatGPT and pull like any random stuff. And I think that's probably what happened in the beginning. And when I say the beginning, this has only been a few months, right? Like yeah. ChatGPT came out in November, but it feels like it's been three years already because it's moving so fast. And so there are already more advanced models out there that actually will let you know the source where they're taking the information from. It's not just scraping the internet for information. And it's actually machine learning, something that people don't talk about. Machine learning will actually remember the moves of a teacher, the planning trends of a teacher, and will be able to remind the teacher, like, listen, you have not taught these standards yet. Do you think you want to plan for these in the next few weeks? Or here's a good place where you could put this standard. Would you like to bring this activity in here? It aligns to a different standard that you're not teaching right now. So it's almost like having a coach built into your planner. And yeah. so those are the models that we're really trying to work with because we do provide the coaching. But, you know, sometimes when we go to coach and we send a coach in, somebody might have had that question three weeks ago, but the coach is coming in and we're not 24-7 available, yeah. you know, operators are standing by now with your, your alignment concerns, even though we could with technology and be there the next day. But teacher wants an answer right now. We're in a right now society now, you know, with the way technology is. Yeah. So, you, Scott, you said a whole bunch there that I don't want to, I don't want to gloss over. So let's talk about chat GPT versus these more advanced models. How do you access them? How do you find them? Some people don't even know, like people just know chat GPT because everybody's talking about it, but AI has been around for decades and yeah. Yeah. researchers have been developing and planning. Chat GPT is just what made it catch everybody's attention because it made everything so much more accessible. So yeah. talk, talk about chat GPT versus some of these other models and name them and then help us know what they are. Yeah, so like ChatGPT, it's the one that's got all the headlines and you have Bard with Google and they're developing theirs as well. Everyone's kind of getting into the AI race. It reminds me of like when I started teaching in like 1993 with the internet mm -hmm. and that wasn't even Google yet. It was just AOL. And I was like one of the first teachers that like got email in his classroom and had to pay a $5,000 grant to even have a phone line. It was a big deal, yeah. right? They had a big announcement <laughs> that I got the internet, you know? I don't know if you ever heard of the conference ASU GSV. Yes, it's a uh -huh. huge ed tech conference. And so now that like we're working in the ed tech space, I'm like, you know what? I've never been to this. I got to go. And over the last couple of years, I've wanted to go, but with COVID and everything, now is the year to go. There was a company called FineTune. And FineTune has actually been working in AI models for, I would say, eight to nine years now, they said. And they actually were, they worked in the prototype for ChatGPT2 before even it became popular. They have 20 data scientists, right? And so I don't know if you've ever heard of Dylan William. Uh, but Dylan William is actually the father of formative assessment. He created a study beyond the black box and put formative assessment on the map. Dylan William was standing in the back of this room because it was standing room only. I'm like, wow, Dylan William is here. So this is legit, right? <laughs> so like, I'm like, all right, let's hear what they have to say. And he's asking questions. And so they did a demo. And what they were able to do, so what makes fine-tune different from others is, and they even said that, and you want to play around with, the, with AI and kind of get to know it, go to ChatGPT, play around. It's a sandbox, right? But if you're serious, you need language models that have been vetted 
and protected and like school districts are going to want to know where is this information coming from is it biased is it not you know and everything so language models that fine tune uses it actually provides references to every single thing that it's providing it shows you where it's connected to and so if you needed to go back and see like where are we getting this information from it's all verified it has like a bibliography so it's you know school districts can go in with more confidence because it's protected data and making sure that it's coming through with as little bias as possible. And if you didn't like something, you regenerate it in seconds to create something. You can even put filters under to say, like, I don't want it to be biased to X, Y, and Z, right? And so it will do that for you. Time is a precious commodity. As a principal, you know this all too well. Between lesson planning, grading, and providing personalized feedback, the hours in a day can quickly disappear. What if you could help your teachers get some of that time back? Introducing School AI. School AI is not just a tool, it's your teacher's partner in the classroom. Help your teachers save over 10 hours a week on busy work, allowing them to focus on what they do best, teaching. With School AI, teachers can plan courses in minutes, get real-time data on learning, and even provide one-on-one -on -one tutoring for every student. School AI also provides a FERPA-compliant chat GPT experience. But that's not all. School AI's co-teacher feature is like a personal assistant, adapting daily lessons to student interests, checking for understanding, and even automating parent communication. And the best part, it's free for teachers. So if you're ready to reclaim your time and transform your school with the power of AI, visit schoolai.com today. School AI, the classroom operating system of the future. Visit them at schoolai.com. You learn new stuff about all these different tools that are out there that have been out there for a long time, but flying underneath the radar. And so in your work in helping districts figure out curriculum, how reliable can it be to have AI write curriculum for you? And is that a wise path to go down? Or should we stick to big publishers that are writing for Florida, Texas, and New York and California? Yeah, so I'm going to say it is going to be the path. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say that people that would be in the biggest jeopardy because everyone's like, oh, you know, this is going to take away all these jobs. People said the same thing during the internet and the internet actually created like three times as many jobs. The only difference was all the lower level knowledge jobs went away at the time and people had to go back to school and go back to the work workforce, but do more complex tasks, right? So there's a dual challenge for school districts, right? They're going to have to figure out their policy on AI and not try and fit it into an industrial age, age model, which most of them are going to do. Yeah. And what I mean by that is they're just going to try and put handcuffs on it and don't allow that into our schools and all that stuff. And uh, kids are going to be like going out into a world that is going to like, I tell people, don't worry about AI taking your job. Worry about the person that knows AI because they're going to take your job. And it's going to happen in a matter of months or years, not 10 years from now, like two years from now. And so if you need to understand it and understand its power, what I have explained and consulted with school districts about is you can control it, right? Like you can put any parameters around it you want. For example, one way, like we're testing a model right now that we can actually, as a teacher's teaching and students take formative assessments, those assessment results go into an AI model. AI model analyzes it, creates a tier one intervention, pulls the district approved interventions, puts the kids in the groups, Teachers done teaching the lesson already has all that done. That would take hours for a teacher to do. Yeah. And the teacher can edit it as needed. The district has confidence like, hey, these are our approved list of interventions. And then it provides 
analytics on how many are those interventions working? And if not, maybe it's just another one that's a research-based practice that can help that student. That may, that student may have just gone on for weeks or even months without the right intervention. Yeah. So it's almost like modern medicine in, in classrooms now. Yeah. And so my fear with all of this is that as we get to this, everything is scripted, everything is prescriptive, we start to lose the human element. How do you keep the human element in a situation like that where the AI is deciding who's going into what groups and what they're getting? And I'll ask the second part of that question when you're done with the first part. Yeah. So the human element goes into like, what are the rules you're going to tell it to do, right? My development team, the coders, they're creating business rules basically and telling a website or a platform what to do. So it's really on the front end, right? So when you're sitting down at the table with a district and you're saying, okay, we want to utilize this AI model, I would say you actually have a very strategic plan. Districts love strategic plans, but like, you know, <laughs> be, you know but like how you ease it in. I wouldn't say like, hey, we're just going to put out AI out there. Like year one, what's your plan? And how are you going to eventually fold it in year by year? So it's like not overwhelming to people and it's used in a sensible way. You know, I mean, I'm even seeing AI models being utilized in SEL. You know, there's a person I was working with and I met at a conference and, you know, her company, students every day check in with an app. How are you feeling today, right? And the kids say, and I'm not feeling great. And AI definitely analyzes the students' feelings from the, like, whatever the chat is, will notify the guidance counselor, and they will be proactive in intervening with that student to make sure that something bad doesn't happen. And so that's just one example how it's like not even academic, but even in the world of SEL that AI can help at least alert someone to a problem because we have a thousand kids in the school. Maybe you have one guidance counselor. They're not going to be popping around to see how everyone's doing every day. So maybe that can save even a student's life. But I would say from the district standpoint and getting back to, you can't just let it go rogue and just start generating lessons. But then you could say, and that's happening now at a lot of places because teachers are just scraping the internet through Google or teacher pay teachers or wherever. And we see it every day. That's kind of like what we do is like, we, okay, we take a look at what teachers have. And I would say like 90% of the time, depending on the school, it's not aligned. And so we help them put the pieces of the puzzle together to figure out what that alignment looks like. Well, and this is such an important question because there's... There's a reason why the teachers aren't using the curriculum, the content that they have right in front of them. It's because it's not meeting the needs in one way, shape, or form. It could be yeah. that they're not familiar with it and they haven't had enough training to understand what's really there. It could be that it's not adaptive, adaptable and appropriate for the students that are in front of them. It could be that it's just boring. Like that's a very real thing. It could be, you know, many other reasons why. So people go to teachers pay teachers for a purpose and they go to chat GPT for a purpose because they don't have the time or energy or whatever to be able to get what they need to have to teach their classes effectively, or at least they don't feel like they do. So how do you help them see that? Like for me, let me just say like finding something with chat GPT, for example, or with fine tune or any other model or system that's out there could help me save time and do 90% of the work for me. And then it's much easier for me to do the rest of it. Starting from scratch is so difficult for so many people, especially teachers who have so little time. How do you help people make better decisions about these things? So it's kind of like being a good Googler, right? Not everyone's a good Googler. My daughter is probably a better Googler than I am by now. <laughs> She's 11, right? Like, so 
there's an art to how you search for something. It's all about the input, right? And AI is going to be all about the commands. Anybody out there that's using, utilizing ChatGPT, you can ask it to do something. Put the same request in and say, ask it to explain it to me like you're a consultant. And it will actually give you detailed and even bring in like research and things like that. Like, you know, where it becomes a much more professional response for copywriting now, like I use Jasper. And Jasper is a, a great copywriting chatbot that we started using and it actually plugs into uh, Chrome. So it comes up all the time. So it's always there. And they've gotten smart. They started a pivot where like it's full business suite of services where it can write contracts and everything, you know, now I would not do that without checking with the lawyer first, <laughs> but, but yeah, so it's really all about what you put into it is what you're going to get out of it. Right. And so over time, like I'm already seeing people start to generate, here's 50 prompts for chat GPT, you know? And so you really have to know what you're doing or what you're looking for, for it to like, you know, give you. And like I said, machine learning is the other piece to it that a lot of people don't talk about. It begins to learn what you're really looking for. So I've utilized it a lot to obviously like generate align lesson plans, but also I created it, my own chatbot called Maisie because it's named after my niece because all the other names were taken, but no, like I love you, Maisie. And so Maisie actually pulls from four different types of sources, right? And so depending on what I'm looking for. And so like I asked for culture relevant materials for RL 3.3. And I got to tell you within 10 seconds, it not only gave me a list of about 20, it also gave me the cultural relevance and listed what significant historical relevance it had and why it was important to that standard. Mm -hmm. I mean, how long would that take you to find out and be able to like connect it to a standard right away? So those types of things, and that's just like doing a basic prompt, right? And I didn't really even get very deep into what I was going to ask it. So the models, I mean, it's moving so fast that like ChatGPT4 now is like actually even better, like a hundred times better than it was three months ago in ChatGPT3, right? And so it's, yeah. that's the, where you starting to see Tech leaders like say, wait, we got to pump the brakes a little on this. And concern is because it is moving faster than people can keep up with. It's faster than anything I've ever seen as far as technology, but that's going to lead to people doing some shady things with it. And so we have to be very careful. So I think that's where there's going to need to be some type of regulation. Someone brought up a really good point that I was speaking to someone at a conference and what's this going to do to copyright law? People are winning art contests through AI models, <laughs> you know? And uh, is that art anymore? You know, I don't know, right? Like artists aren't happy about it. And so is that going to be a whole new genre now? I'm sure it already is. So I've got a funny story about that. And it is that my daughter has this phrase that she uses all the time called chicken avocado. And it doesn't mean anything. And it's silly. And she just says it all the time. She's 11. But I put that, started trying to create things visually with that using stable diffusion to create a piece of artwork related to that that would be chicken avocado and i went through probably probably like 50 different generated images until i finally got to one that was just incredible and was awesome and yeah. it looks so great and i just love it i think it's really cool it's basically an avocado actually if you go to i'm such a nerd i created a website for it chickenavocado.net and I'll put a link in the show notes so that people can see it. And all it is, is a, a video that I also made with an AI tool to show how the chicken and the avocado blended together 
And it basically is a, it's an avocado with a little head of a chicken coming off of it. And it actually looks really, really cool. And I just think that it's so awesome that I was able to take this special thing that my daughter and I have and be able to share it with her and with other people too. So I'm showing this on the screen so you can see it. But I mean, that looks pretty cool, doesn't it? I and mean, you're going to design a chicken avocado. I mean, that's, yeah. That's... Yeah. So I, like I said, I went through a ton of different iterations and I've never been artistically talented and able to do art kind of things well, but being able to do that for my daughter and give her something that she can like be excited about was a really powerful thing for me as a dad and as a human to be able to create something. Did I like draw every little brushstroke on there? No, but did I work at it and iterate to make it better so that it would create what I wanted it to? Yes. And so is that, is using Photoshop mean that it's not really art or illustrator or, or affinity designer or any of those other tools that are out there? I don't know. I think that's a question that we don't have the answer to and we don't understand fully yet what it's going to look like but the chicken avocado is pretty awesome and i think it looks great Nick, you need to trademark that i mean you got something there you know no kidding <laughs> at least Jeez. <laughs> i mean you got to get the chicken avocado like playing tennis like doing all kinds of different I stuff know. yeah you know? there's a whole line there that she could she could yeah we can with. just take care of that on offline you know yeah. Yeah, <laughs> exactly <laughs> Picture this, a student drowning in tabs, tools, and notes, struggling to piece together a research project. Sounds familiar, right? Now, imagine all of that streamlined under one roof. That's Scribble. Scribble is more than just a tool, it's a game changer. Students can curate, annotate, cite, and write all in one place. Collaborative annotations? Check. Automatic citations? Check. Real-time feedback for educators? You bet. And the best part is it's not just about making tasks easier, about freeing up time for higher level learning and critical thinking. Are you worried about AI plagiarism? With Scribble, students show their authentic work process, making it genuine and credible. And I mentioned it won the Soup's Choice Award for College and Career Readiness. So if you're ready to transform the way your school approaches research and writing, head over to scribble.com and see the magic for yourself. That's S C R I B L E dot com. Um, but yeah, like one of the things like I think is really important is like how this should be impacting teaching and learning, right? Like we keep talking about like how it can help teachers. What's this going to do to how students learn in our classrooms, right? It's going to take a while for schools to catch up and the kids are going to be way ahead of it. And everyone's going to think they're cheating. And they're going to like try and clamp down on those. Those kids need to write their own essays. The world of work is going to change and it's going to like flip on a dime here in the next five years. Yeah. And by the time I mean, my daughter is going to graduate in 2030, like their daughter. Right. And yeah. so what is the world of work going to look like even college? I don't even know yet. <laughs> so yeah. I can't yeah. So the other thing about that is that I have principals who are asking, how can I use this to make my life easier to write my newsletters, to write all yeah. these things for me? And in the same breath, they're saying, how do I make sure that kids aren't cheating? Which is basically, it's okay for me to cheat and right. use it to do my work, but it's not okay for kids to do it. And I, that kind of hypocrisy just drives me nuts in yeah. education yeah. where we have different standards for adults than we do for kids. If we are using it to make our lives easier, we should absolutely be allowing kids to use it to make their lives easier 
as well. What are your thoughts on that? I was always the same way as a principal. I was always kind of advocate for the kids or like, hey, if we're going to do something, then like the kids need to be able to, yes, we can say we're the adults and blah, 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 but we got to like set the example, right? And so part of the work that we do, like, and, like you know, it's not just aligning the standards, it's really aligning to the 21st century world of work. You know, Tony Wagner wrote a book, The Global Achievement Gap. This is like back in 2008, but he talked about what are the skills that kids are going to need and how is this, you know, in the 21st century world of work and how is this going to impact schools? But really, it was all about like project-based learning and like understanding that having a flipped classroom, for those people that know what a flipped classroom is, like kids should not be doing their homework at home. They should be doing it in the classroom. Yes. Kids should not be getting their lecture in school. They should be getting it on their device at home. So if you're going to utilize a teacher for what they're worth, don't let them just sit there and talk about content. Kids can consume the content on their device. They need the assistance of a teacher to get unstuck when they're working on a project, but they should be able to walk into the classroom every day, just like you'd walk into your office and you have what you need to take care of. And if you need help, you reach out to a teammate or somebody that maybe has more information on it than you do so that you can get you unstuck. And that's what a teacher should be doing. They should be a facilitator of information, not the hub and the center of information. Yes, I, I agree. One of the trainings that I do is going from sage on the stage to guide on the side to compass among us. And I, I liken that to being instead of stand up there as the fountain of information to being the one in the middle who's like directing traffic, helping people find their path back to where they're actually trying to go. And that's what a great teacher really does. So Let's take this one step further, which is that in some situations, an AI model is going to be a better teacher than an actual human being. And this is a controversial statement that people don't like me saying, but if that is the case, if we know, for example, let's say the science of reading, we know how kids need to learn how to read, and we have it documented, and we everybody agrees that if we do these things, then kids are going to read, why wouldn't we ensure that every kid's getting the same exact thing to ensure that they can read as fast as possible because it's such a fundamental skill. Why wouldn't we turn that over to AI and use the teachers for other things that we need them that they are actually good at? There are opportunities. I mean, it's kind of happening in small pockets here. Like people don't even know like AI is in our world. It's existed for decades, right? And so, I mean, the next time you're dealing with a customer service agent, Ask if it's a robot, like type it, and it will let you know I am not a real person, I am a bot. There are sales, like people that send you sales emails. I, I was going back and forth with a sales rep for something. And I'm like, is this, are you real? And I'm like, no, sir, I am blah, 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 bot, right? And like, yeah. oh my gosh, I've been like engaged in like, you know, days worth of emails with this person. Yeah. I thought it was a person, right? But that's how real it can be. So like, I feel, because it is a controversial thing, right? Because like, it becomes like, what is a teacher? Exactly. Like, what is a teacher going to be in the future? Because we're already dealing with a massive exodus of teachers from the classroom. We're dealing with a shortage. And I don't see a lot of people waiting to get in. That's one way we're going to have to say, like, how can we leverage AI? But I see everyone's picturing it like Rosie, like George Jetson, Jetson's maid sitting up there, like teaching it like a human being. It's not going to look like that. Hmm. I think school, but the problem that exists in public education and I thought oh, after 30 years, maybe I made a dent in it, but in small, like I, I was an yeah. entrepreneur, like yeah. I worked within the system and learned how to navigate it and yeah. make 
individual schools happen. And I was able to do it on national level, like with influencing leaders, but it still just happens at the individual level and then make it like we had an opportunity three years ago to make a systematic yes. change in oh, education yeah. with COVID. Everyone got a device. You know how many years, decades, schools have been waiting for everyone to have a device? And what do we do? We just put them on a Google Doc and told them to do the same thing they would have done on a pad of paper. Now, there was some good stuff that came from that. Teachers are doing innovation, innovative things, but almost like on their own. And so I, it's one of those things where like, we need to meet it halfway with AI, because otherwise it's just going to take you over. Or you can fight it all you want, but the kids are not going to be engaged. And every, I always laugh at like, well, what are we going to do and engage the kids? I said, you're going to create a damn good lesson that is relevant to the kids and you don't ever have to worry about engagement. It's organic. That's what we tell teachers. Just design a great lesson. I said the heavy lifting in the world should be the design of your lessons. The easy part of your day should be like, hey, I'm just getting people unstuck throughout the day as a facilitator and you should go home and have energy. When you yeah. go home and don't have any energy, it's because you're doing all the thinking. Yeah. The kids need to be exhausted from thinking. And that's the problem. Like that's the paradigm shift that we keep trying to nudge and trying to get people to get to. And we're getting it like in these small pockets and like in school by school, we're just trying to get people to understand it. And they do. And the light bulb goes off, but it takes sometimes months of coaching for us to get there. And it's great when it happens, but how we're going to get to happen systematically. I don't know if I have the answer to that. <laughs> so. Yeah. So one of the things that I think is essential that we have to get to is we have to recognize that no matter what is going on, all education is personal and individualized. Like it, it doesn't matter if like you're, you were a turnaround specialist, you go into a school and 95% of your kids are now passing the state assessment. Those 5% that aren't, it's not working for them. And they need a specialized, personalized approach to help them get unstuck and learn the things that, that they need to learn. Yeah. And until we recognize that the big data doesn't matter, what matters is each kid feeling like they are learning and growing and developing we're always going to be having this war against each other of what is actually going to work. And the reality is, is for every kid, if they feel like they're getting the help that they need, they're going to be able to find success. If they feel like they're not getting the help that they need, then they'll never be engaged no matter what you do, because it's not directed towards them individually. What right. are your thoughts on that? No, and I'm glad. So I was thinking as you were saying that, so people used to ask me, what was the number one thing that really impacts students? Like, how do you get kids caught up like in three years for in one year, right? Like three years behind in one year. And I would say well, there's a couple of different things, but the number one thing is feedback. It's aligned feedback, not feedback that involves grades. And this is something Dylan William talked about. He called it ego involved feedback is grades, comparing kids to others in the class. Task involved feedback is giving, showing the student like, hey, here are your strengths, here are your areas needed for growth, and this is a plan that we're going to come up with together. This is my role, this is your role, maybe even your parents' role, and it's almost like a prescription, right? And over the next X amount of days, you're going to set a goal, and you're going to get multiple opportunities to show how you can grow a formative assessment, project-based learning, feedback, feedback, feedback. This is where AI can be very powerful because... As much as you want to analyze data, you got to teach all day, right? And like you got all these different things. Well, AI should be doing that work for you 
analyzing the data, having something ready for you to give data back to kids, like feedback to kids on their progress, or even kids' self-discovery and getting that feedback. And maybe a teacher looking at it over even after the students had a chance to look at it. Because I used to have this thing and my teachers would roll their eyes and like, data's getting stale. The data's getting stale. Like I had a 72-hour rule. Like if we don't get, we take an assessment and kids don't get that feedback, really more in 48 hours than 72 hours. But I would like give them a little bit of wiggle room, right? I said, the data's stale. It's dead. It's now, we have an autopsy. We don't have an x-ray anymore. All right. And so... That was the biggest challenge. And, I, and like what's happening in schools is we're testing the crap out of kids. I see mm -hmm. it all the time. I see it with my daughter. I said, you know, what happened last week at school? I had to take all these tests. <laughs> like, yeah. did they give you any results? I don't know. I guess I'll find out in my classes next year, right? <laughs> I'm yeah. like, yeah, I guess you won't be in that high math class if you didn't do good, right? She's like, yeah. And, you know, she's like in this highly gifted class and another world right it's different i go you're gonna have a different educational experience than i did as a kid because i barely made it through high school mm -hmm. i had no guidance you know i was just i did the triple crown for summer school in my high school <laughs> it just yeah. i just wasn't motivated and the only reason that only thing that kept me in high school was football i went to go play football and then i just did the bare minimum i needed to play football and graduate and i barely did that right and so but why because i don't know that it was no Nobody like gave me any guidance. Nobody gave me any feedback on anything. I was just there yeah. and uh, trying to figure it out. Right. And that's why I went into education. Actually, I just said, I'm like, you know what, when I went to college, I had to pay for it myself and I had to take all these remedial courses. I'm like, this, this is not cool. <laughs> like, yeah. Costing me thousands of dollars. And I'm like, I, maybe I shouldn't have gone to the beach that day, you know, like maybe, but you know, and it, yeah, it's my responsibility. I had to do it, but I'm like, it's got to start in elementary school and because someone did a, I was at a presentation one time at a conference and they showed this ramp in a boulder and they said like here's elementary here's middle school here's high school when you're trying to like and I was talking about school turnaround he's like you're trying to pull a boulder up like and you know the the, 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 yeah. the degrees go way up you're just trying to put, almost push it up a wall now trying to get kids to be get caught up into their five years behind grade level you know yeah. So uh, even within elementary school, the same thing, you know, science of reading, I like, I thought I missed out on something. I was at a conference like a couple of years ago. I'm like, science, of reading, something new came out. I'm like, yeah. oh I was doing this in 2004. <laughs> yeah. like, Florida Center for Reading Research had the big five, like, the, I, and that was an eye opener to me as a principal. I was like probably in my second school. And that's where my whole shift focus on primary. And so when, yeah, like, and I said, we need comprehension level by quarter one of first grade. And everyone's like, what? Like, I thought I was crazy. But as a principal, you have to call the shot, like this division. And here's the support you're going to get to do it. And guess what happened? They got there, right? And so that's like what you have to do, but you also have to give teachers support. So the way I look at it also with AI is like, hey, we're going to ask you to do all these new things, but here's an innovation that we can do to make your job easier, right? So like, they're never going to get more planning time, this newsflash. Yeah. And so we have to figure out how to make this happen. The other thing too, is with like all this content that, like you said, like teachers don't even get to it, right? Well, what if we had a place where there's data tagging and it actually would be able to be repurposed legacy content and put it into a new lesson or a new unit? Oh, yeah. Right. So, <laughs> so <laughs> my, my dream of what education looks like is that kids go through their day. Like I believe kids need to have reading skills and basic numeracy skills, and then we can turn them loose and they can, it does not matter in at all 
what they work on because it really doesn't because we can find where they're learning no matter what they're looking at. So what my dream is that, and I think the AI makes something like this very possible that they go throughout their day doing whatever projects or things they're working on. And then the teacher or an AI bot follows them and says, oh, I see that you just showed that you understand this by how you did this and checks off this standard wherever it is in the curriculum. Let's say they're in fifth grade. It goes back to first grade and says, this kid definitely gets this. I, we know that they understand it, not because we gave them a test, but because that they showed mastery in a situation that didn't necessarily call for it. And now we can go back and say, yep, this kid gets this thing. And if we did school that way, I bet kids would pass off standards in 12th grade when they're in third grade, that they'd pass off standards in 10th grade when, or while they're in 10th grade that are actually younger grade or older grade standards that they need to understand. And we could really see how much more they could accomplish. And I say this because I actually did that at one of my schools where kids were passing off standards all through the K-12 spectrum in seventh grade because we were allowing them to take that kind of an approach. And I would love to see this happen on a larger scale and see a model that could support that so that the teacher didn't have to know all of those standards like we did in my school in Alaska, but that they could know what the kids were doing and be able to say, yep, that's checked off. And I can verify that this kid knows, here's a great example. This kid knows how to fire someone with empathy because they kick someone off their team with empathy, which we don't have, we don't really have a standard for that, right? We have a standard on like how to hire people or how to do a job interview, but not how do we discipline someone? That's something that you like learn in college, if ever. And the seventh grade girl knew how to do it. And like, I would say she's probably one of the best people I've ever seen give someone bad news that they don't really want to hear. And it was incredible. I could have used her in some evaluations. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Um, So it's interesting you bring that up. Sorry, but like my daughter's like in this comprehensive gifted program. That's what they do. They're like, okay, like if she's working in algebra in fourth grade, right? I'm like, wait, how'd you get there? Well, like I work in this group, right? And like we get through the standard and we show mastery. So then they just keep moving us up, right? What if they can do that for everybody, right? Like, cause that's kind of like, you know, when they did the orientation, they're telling us about the program. I'm like, wow, imagine a world. And I'm like, imagine that world for every kid. Exactly. <laughs> you know, like, why does it have to be just this one self-contained like class that's getting that? It's yeah. just, it, didn't, it didn't make sense to me, but yeah. I tried to be a parent, not a principal. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. I, I run into that issue a lot myself. Yeah, it's hard. It's very hard. It's very yeah. Hard. So uh, Scott, I appreciate your time here today. Thank you for sharing what you've shared. How would you like people to get in touch with you if they want to learn more about Lead 180 or anything else you do? Yeah, lead180.com. And our planning platform is edgecompass.app. And you can find a place to contact them. You can email me through there. And if you're interested in any curriculum alignment or even talking, if you want to chat about AI, I'm, I am nerd, I nerd out about it all the time as well. My girlfriend rolls her eyes. She's like, he's doing it again. Like at yeah. the dinner table, I'm talking about AI. I'm like, AI can do this. Because I really do believe it's going to change the world. It's our, this is our Google moment, our internet moment. And it's kind of strange that in one lifetime, we're having like two or three moments like that, but that's how fast technology is moving. So we just need to stay ahead of it and utilize it wisely and just be a good person and 
don't do it for evil, use it for good. <laughs> yeah, right on. So lead180.com and educompass.app. Scott, this has been awesome chatting with you. Thank you so much for your time. And for our listeners, just want to say one more time, if you want to understand artificial intelligence, you can go to aileader.info and that will help you learn things in three minutes or less with three-minute masterclasses that teach you all you need to know about AI without making it super complicated and technical. Thanks so much for listening to Transformative Principle. Edited by Gage Sanderson.